It's time for building the game. Building the game. With Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. With Jason and friends. It's at the end of the episode. That's when it technically ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, July 24th, and you're listening to episode 582. As always, I am your host, Jason, here today, joined by co-host recurring guest that's that doesn't make sense that's two different things she's a co-host her name is emily vincent she is here right now she won't go away she keeps coming back so (laughs) welcome you've caught me hello you were like i was looking for people to record an episode you're like i didn't want to volunteer because i keep volunteering (laughs) you're new that's how it happens (laughs) eventually you'll be like old and jaded you'll be like i don't want to volunteer now so Sweet. Well, thank you for having me again. So what have you been uh, doing since Origins back back at the homestead? Yeah, I've been uh, I've been doing well. I've been recovering from Origins and preparing for Gen Con. Uh, so it feels like a little bit of a sprint in between those two. Right, right. Um, I do have I, I just this year I'm going all in in conventions. And so I got some time at the first exposure playtest hall at Gen Con. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of like, I got to get my games ready for that. And there's this like wild thread of um, people who are bringing games to that, that I'm just like, everyone is so excited. And I feel I feel a little behind. Like there are definitely people who right. are headed to Kickstarter and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So they've got fully fledged it's got artwork right and i'm bringing good kitties and pirates which right now half of pirates is on note cards in pencil um right. good kitties though looks like it's it's yeah. a long ways along so yeah i don't know how you feel about the design after the like after origins like with it you know you're doing more work on it and stuff but it looks like when you just look at it you're like oh yeah this is a long ways in yeah it it feels both of them actually feel really good after Origins. There was some really great feedback and um, some tough feedback, but I, I've sort of, I've slashed a bunch of stuff out of Good Kitties and I don't miss it uh, while That's I'm good. trying to add this little action track thing that is still in Sharpie below the board. So I've got this, for those <laughs> who haven't seen it, I've got this like, I'm going to say it's a beautiful board that I created. It's like the overview of a house looks down on six rooms it's, each room is a different color it's kind of nice. got some blue vibes um and then i've got a little like 12 square track made of cardboard and sharpie at the bottom that's like labeled one two three four that that's how you're sort of tracking mm-hmm. your actions uh but i'll probably have some version of that um in that form for for gen con because that's what i've been testing so what uh, what was your thought process on choosing first exposure hall instead of just doing like an unpub thing so i don't think unpub is at gen con i i could be totally wrong oh uh but i think that i think first exposure is the only playtesting opportunity other than just like the game crafter has a night right so i'll go to the game crafter night and hang out with other folks there um but in terms of like I, i don't think there's an unpub room and i think i heard ben talking about that at origins that like okay they're gonna do their next thing after that because first exposure has got gen con so right uh, ben i'm sorry i'm totally wrong (laughs) if i misheard that and i am misadvertising uh but i did not think there was an unpub 
at Gen Con. No one's going to go to Unpub if it's at Gen Con now because Emily said on this podcast, don't go. <laughs> Unpub sucks. That's what I heard. Yeah. That's what I well, heard I you also- say. So last year I went to Gen Con for the first time and I spent probably half my time in the first exposure playtest hall playtesting other people's games. And so that was a really cool opportunity to see uh, yeah, how yeah. it was going to work. And, you know, I found a game there that I loved that I kickstarted that I like just got last week um, and stuff like that. And I got to, I don't know, just talk to a bunch of designers and I was pretty early on in my design journey. So like it's got a little bit of a warm space in my heart mm-hmm. um that's fair uh, so but we'll see right but so there's this wicked long thread of super excited people that i am like overwhelmed by and have not been able to chime in right. on at all right right you sound like me in any discord i belong to so <laughs> yeah um well that's good to hear though i'm excited for you about that i, I made the mistake of coming back from origins with feedback and stuff and then now uh, going on two weeks of vacations while my mm-hmm. computer was broken. So I have done zero prep for Gen Con. So I'm feeling good about that. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sarcasm, <laughs> of course, there. Uh, yeah, so I need to make some updates to Haphazard Cadabra. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm so I'm curious because I know that the – I know you had two play tests of Haphazard Cadabra and one I was a part of and it went – really well and i had a great time right and i know you had some changes and then the second one i i feel a little responsible for because i found you play testers that are maybe you found me the wrong play testers yeah and so i i don't know if you've had time to like reflect on that and and see how much from that second one you actually want to take right so that's that's something i'm struggling with a lot because i don't know if they were the right play testers, right? Like I'll, my first assumption is always that the game has problems, right? Like when somebody gives me feedback, my first assumption will be my game has problems. I need to do something with it. Mm -hmm. That said, I also am open to the fact that they may not have been the right people. They clearly were no offense to them. Awful at the game. Like they had a very hard time getting used to like the dexterity part of it. Yeah. And that seemed to be a driving force for at least one of their feedback, like of not being able to see past that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they said they were awful the game. But the one person, she said that I'm awful this game, but I, ha- I'm ha- I had a good time. I have criticisms, but I had a really good time playing it. Um, and I, I hope she meant that. Like, I think she did. Um, yeah. So. So, yeah, it's just it's really hard to walk away when you get a play test and like, I feel like everybody that played the game in the first play test had fun. They said, Hey, there's some things you could fix on this, but it felt like all y'all had a good time. Right. And the second group just felt like they had an awful time Mm -hmm. um, doing the exact same things you were doing. Right. And so that's why. And, and the thing is like the changes that I made from the first game, specifically the, the biggest one was the one Roscoe suggested, which was, uh, make adding in the connect. I think it was Roscoe's idea to add the connection cards to where, like, if you connect with a certain type of card, oh, then right. you get extra yeah. stuff, and that made the game go way better and less frustrating for them. Okay. Um, and they definitely had some problems with the scoring in the game, which was was a known problem. You all destroyed the scoring in the first game, which was great. <laughs> Unfortunately, it was a problem I couldn't fix. 
Sure. Well, at Gen Con, I mean, well, at Origins, just because I, I could have done the handwritten cards like you did, but I, I really wanted to sit down and do some math and like make the changes in a way that made sense to me. I'm kind of like, I have to get my head around that kind of stuff. I can't do the things on the fly like some of y'all can. Um, and I'm okay with that. Uh, I, I don't like to just make a bunch of changes that are not going to work because I did yeah. math wrong. Right. Uh, so, um, yeah. But like, yeah, so it was just, it was tough. And I'm still struggling with the feedback from the playtest to understand. I'm, I'm I'm very tempted to bring it to Gen Con with hardly any changes and just see what happens. Um, the, I think, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say the one of the things I do need to fix are I need to get some weights that I can add into the molds mm-hmm. um, so that they don't slide so much on the elements because yeah. that was something that annoyed the people. And that's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I need to figure that out. Yeah. I mean, I think so. I mean, I've only played it once. Right. But I, my instinct is that you're on the right track there. Right. I think sometimes there just is a play test that like it wasn't the right people or it wasn't the right time or, you know, I, I don't know. I would I guess I would be nervous about holding something like that too tightly. Like you've play mm-hmm. tested, you know, with people. You'll play test it with more. You'll start to see if there's a pattern emerging, right? If there are other people who struggle with, I don't know, one time, one time could be a fluke, right? And right, I don't want right. to like excuse, you know, just forget everything they said, right? But like, I don't, I don't know that you have to hold it so tightly as right. like it is, it is ground truth of something fundamental in the game, right? right. That's what's hard, especially because I was like, one of them suggested something. They were like. I would love it if instead of when you make two connections, you stop, you, everybody gets to play all their cards. That was what they suggested. I want to play all my cards. And I was like, okay, yeah, I can see that. Mm-hmm. And then I mentioned it to David and David was like, oh, gosh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, oh, okay. Well, I trust David and David played it and liked it. So, um, so yeah, you know, that's, that's tough. So I think the big thing I need to do is get in front of more people and see how they feel about it. and. Yeah. So yeah, thank you for asking because that was good a good little thing to talk through. I think the next step is just I'm just gonna play it some more with some people. Um, I feel very rusty at play testing in person still mm. um, with some stuff, and so yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean I think it's a I'm, maybe I'm biased, but I think it's a super fun game, and I was not good at it. And when you said, "Oh, I want to be able to connect all the stuff," I was like, "I did want to be able to play all my cards, but mostly because I wasn't getting the thing that I wanted, and right, I, right. that meant I wasn't winning. But it was fine because I could then take the, you know, the crow and get stuff later. So it right, wasn't right. <laughs> wasn't that big of a a showstopper for me. So I think I tend to agree with David. Um, but yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I think we should also, I think in previous episodes, we've talked about giving ourselves permission for various things. I think we should give ourselves permissions to just sometimes just let it go. Be like, right. that yeah, happened. People said stuff. I'm going to, I'm going to put it in the back burner of this, mm-hmm. of my brain. Right. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I appreciate that. So yeah. we're going to talk about a topic. That you, a topic you came up with we've discussed this topic at length you did not spring it on me right at the end we were <laughs> this was definitely pre-planned <laughs> absolutely jason is totally prepared and has written an entire essay that he's just gonna read uh, about that is topic. mean that is mean for you to say that 
Also, the good news for me is no one believes that. <laughs> no one believes that. Yeah. So um, the topic I wanted to talk about is one that I've been uh, I've been uh, playing around with in my mind. Um, so I feel like a piece of feedback that I hear all the time or a piece of advice that I think we get as game designers is like when you're when you're thinking about what you should do with your game, the answer is probably that you should cut something. Right. That we always need to, you know, kill our darlings, uh, cut five things and then cut two more. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever Mm -hmm. the whatever the feedback is. Um, And so that's very sort of deeply ingrained in me. But I think I think there are times when the right answer is to add things rather than cut it. Right. Um, Or as someone said to me at one point, um, take the things that you have and make them harmonize better rather than cut them. So, so I was interested in talking about how do you maybe add to cut or harmonize instead of cut. And, you know, where are sometimes where you and I have run into that and I don't know, what are our, what are our thoughts about cutting things versus adding things? It's, oh gosh, it's such a tough question, right? Because it really is like most of the time I feel like we tend as designers to, to make something with too much and have to pull some stuff out. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there are other times when you're going, you know, like I'm going to make a super simple game and then you end up adding stuff and it ruins it. Right. Completely yeah. ruins it. And then you have to cut other stuff and then it's like, ah, but like, I, I this is like, I always think of this as like the we, publishers would say this about games. Like it needs one more thing. Right. It needs one more thing. And and my first thought is always like, does it though? Does it need one more thing? Uh, and also if it does, do you know what that thing is? Cause I don't, um, <laughs> that would be great if you could just tell me and then we could just do that. Um, so yeah, it's, I, I agree with the idea that sometimes you do just have to add more and, and make the game a little bigger. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, oof, it's tough to know when it's really yeah. tough to know when, what you need is another system or a different system, right? That will harmonize better with um, with what you've got already going in the game. Yeah. And so so I first ran into this with Good Kitties, which you have now played, Jason. And it's a, I'm going to say it's a bigger game for me, right? It's, it's striving to be a sort of 60 to 90 minute uh, strategy game, um, ideally on the 60 side, but you know, is what it is. Uh, and so I originally started, you know, I had a core system and I started adding things because the experience was super, um, linear. Right. And so you're trying to play with multiple people, but it was just sort of like one person needed to do a thing. And then did you really need the other players and stuff like that? And it wasn't challenging enough. So I added, there's all sorts of things and it's cat themed, right? So we have moods and we have mice and we have distractions and we have all these things. Um, and I took it to Protospiel Madison last year and played it with a group that was just like, this is way too complicated. There's too many things. There's too many systems to remember. Um, and I was like, okay, I guess I just got to start. I just got to start slashing. And then, like I said, this other designer played it with me later and did a, a deep dive and was like, I think it, the problem is that your mice have nothing to do with your dog, which has nothing to do with your distractions, which has nothing to do with your moods, right? And so how do you make those systems talk to each other? Um, And so I then started adding to those systems the ties into the other system. And that's where you start to see like the mouse system right now 
the mice are trying to take your supplies and they're they have essentially a countdown if they get a certain number of supplies the mice win the game right, right so right. um you know prior to that it was just mice take your stuff right that was their goal in the game they were a pain in the butt they took things um but i needed right. to add to that system to actually make it play better right and right. and to make it right. less cognitive burden of like what are they doing oh they're trying to make you lose the game well and what i think that's a perfect example of harmonization right when it ties together thematically like and i mean i can certainly see if you were like the mice just take anything you can get a hold of and you're like okay well then i'll just they can have the stuff i don't want right right but when they can turn it into something they need well crap now we're gonna lose right and that means it, it raises the stakes i think in a good way yeah. and and you're absolutely right when you connect the things like obviously it's easier for players to remember it's mm -hmm. easy it just it all clicks so yeah yeah I mean, and even some of the feedback we gave you playing it were some connection things like, mm -hmm. I wish I could do this or that, um, you know, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, interestingly, I had a similar thread where I'm not even sure, did I have you play with the distraction cards where you like pick a card and it's like, if you're good, do this. If you're bad, do that. Um, were the distraction cards the card you had to flip over? If yeah. you got first in the round? Yes. Then yes. Yep. yes. Okay. So I think you were the last ones to play with those cards um, because they've gone through a journey where at first they were just random. They were like, get an extra action, lose an mm -hmm. action, right? Um, and then someone it was saying, again, harmonize, right? Mm -hmm. So let's tie it back in. Um, and I did that. And suddenly they became these huge cards that had, you know, if this, then that, do these things. Mm -hmm. um, and somehow in giving people that harmonization and that choice, it made the game easier <laughs> um, because you could choose the lesser evil, right? That was on the right. card. Uh, and so I ended I think up. That's actually the version I played. Yes. Yep. Yeah. That's the yeah. version you played. Yep. Um, and then the play test after you, I just said, forget it. Because actually one of the biggest challenges I've had with those cards is no one remembers to take them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like, I think one of my pieces of feedback and whether or not you like this, I don't know, but like, I was like, I love the mood cards. I wish that every round I got a new mood card. Like that's, what's exciting to me is like my cat's mood changes and it's so thematic. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I think the moods need to stay, but, and that's where the, you know, I added a bunch of stuff and now I am, I am trimming, but in, mm -hmm. in some ways, right. I needed to get, I needed to add things. I needed to harmonize things in order to find the right places to cut, right? I mean, the distraction mm -hmm. cards have been there since the very beginning. And now I'm finally able to be like, uh, I don't know that you need them, right? But right, right. Everything else has evolved enough and gotten bigger mm -hmm. such that I think it's sort of like edged out um, right. the goodness that the distraction cards might have been adding. Right, right. I do think one of the things that tells me something, I know we're talking about what to add, but one mm. of the things that tells me something needs to be cut is when you mentioned this, when people can't remember to do it, right? Yes. When something, when everybody keeps forgetting to do something, either your flow is not working correctly, right? Mm -hmm. And people just need a reminder or that just doesn't need to be there, right? <laughs> it's yeah. one of those two. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah. And the easiest thing to try is just to take it out and see what happens. Because obviously trying to figure out why the flow's not working, that can be a whole other process. So, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. And that's one that I'll admit I 
I often go and try and solve with graphic design. And I'm decent enough at graphic design that sometimes I can uh, make it look like it's solved, right? And so, the- <laughs> <laughs> um, so at one point I had so all right. So the distraction deck is just a single deck of cards that, like, at the be- it was supposed to be at the beginning of your turn. You draw a distraction, and you're a cat. You get distracted. And maybe you do what you wanted to do this turn and maybe you don't, right? But everyone comes in, so they've been thinking about their plan. So they mm-hmm. forget to take this card. So then I was like, all right, we'll put it at the end of your turn. So it like finishes out your turn. And I, I had a whole player board where like it walked you through your steps. And the last one, I had taken the distraction deck. I divided it up amongst the players and you just got your own little distraction deck that was sitting <laughs> right in front of you. So you could not forget to take your card. They still forgot to take their card. Yes, they did. <laughs> That's like, funny. Done with my turn. <laughs> right, right. And you know, I mean, too. Like, so you have a game that's a strategy game, right? I mean, really, mm-hmm. it is. It's a strategy yeah. cooperative game, and giving people distractions that might throw off your plans entirely also feels. It, it can feel not fun, right? Right. So, like, I'm not motivated to remember to take those cards because they might ruin my fun, right? Yes. Um, at least if it's at the end of the turn, you can plan for it. You can say, okay, well, next turn I can't do this. I'm going to have to do this thing instead, you know? Um, so, yeah, that's I, – I get why you pulled those, and that was – I'm I'm guessing that was for the best. <laughs> yeah, I think it was for the best. And I've been pulling I, – I pulled the moods out, too. I – they're going to come back at some point. I don't know if they're a immediate and advanced mode, a, a, you know, expansion, something like that. But I really do like the moods, but they need a little bit of zhuzhing to uh, uh, play well with the new action track. They like don't make sense right now. With right, some of the right. other changes I made. Um, That's fair. Yeah. I think like, cause we're, we're, we're talking about like trying to talk about adding things. We keep talking about cutting right. things, but like, <laughs> You know, one thing I've seen before with games are um, when your consistent feedback you're getting is I want more out of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so Haphazard Cadabra is, is the best example I have right now for a game I'm working on where, you know, when you all finished playing it, you were like, I want something else. I want I want there to be a little bit more to this. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and the immediate fear with that is if if the if the core like game. um loop the core loop of the game is running right well then gosh i don't want to mess that up by making it longer or more difficult you know and uh yeah like you know i got a piece of feedback where somebody said they actually roscoe had suggested the hey put these cards in and when you make a connection then you get this thing but only if it's the last card and i was like oh gosh i thought you were suggesting that every card in the chain Mm-hmm. got something extra and he was like oh no that'd be awful and then i got that feedback and the next thing i wish every card in the chain did something <laughs> and it was the same person who said the the flow and the transition in my games weren't working the game wasn't working mm-hmm. and i was like but then you have to stop and literally go through and say which cards were part of this connection and and the person said oh that'll be easy and i thought no no it won't it'll be awful like every round it's going to be like yeah. You know, when you pulled out the score sheet at the end of Knitting Circle and you were like, this is the one thing that feels out of the game. That would have been the thing that would have felt like so counter to everything you're trying to do in this game where it's this simple little game, right? Yeah. So so when when you all gave me the feedback of I want a little more, it was easy for me to say, okay, everybody wants a little more. 
Now let's figure out what that is. Because if, if four players that I trust, all say I could use a little something else in this game. That to me is a reason to say we should add something else. Right. And so that was where we came up with those connection cards that did speed up the game and did make the game feel a little more strategic and more fun. And put a little more uh, stress on when I use this card, if I want this thing, I'm going to be really sad if this card misses when I toss it, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. So that to me is a, is a nice indicator. That's really easy when you need to know, you need to add something when the players are basically saying good, but give me more. Right. Yeah. And I think that that sometimes and part of what I'm hearing you say, right. Is when the game is playing well enough that it sparks people's imagination. Right. And they're right. like, I would have even more fun right. if I could also do this. So, so using knitting circle as an example, I've been talking to um, Zoe and a couple other people about how it would be really wonderful to be able to be rewarded for having a beautiful tableau, right. That goes together. So your mm -hmm. whole wardrobe is somehow coordinated. Right. And that that yeah. feels like a thing that, wants to be rewarded and would feel really good. Mm -hmm. um, and and I think that I agree, right? That does feel it. I would love to be able to give points for creativity, right? Mm -hmm. And beauty and things like that. Um, I will say that every time I've tried to do it, it turns into, it incentivizes behavior that ends up being less creative and right. sort of right. less beautiful. Using the same two colors for everything or exactly. the same pattern. Yeah, yeah. Every time right. blue comes around, I pick it up and now I'm forced to do something with blue. And so, you know, I'm still letting that rattle around in the back of my brain because I think I think it's right, right? Um, I, for, for the record though, like Knitting Circle does have that to a point. You have, if I have a matching socks or matching mittens, or I, you know, make beautiful patterns, right? Or if I make one of everything, you know, so you do have some of that already yeah. built in, yeah. which is another reason why maybe adding something isn't the right thing to do there. Yeah. <laughs> Cut something. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm definitely, uh, you know, everything goes to that. It grows, it cuts, it grows, it cuts. Um sort of phase uh but it's i i do think when people are looking it's interesting in playtesting feedback right how do you tell when someone is asking to add something because they're inspired or when they're asking to add something because something was missing you know um, oh I, right when they're like i wish the game did this because that's the game they want not the game you want or when they're saying like hey i was doing this thing and I felt like it could have been more, right? Yeah, it that's, was really fun. It could be even more fun, right? Honestly, I think that's your job to decide, right? <laughs> yes. Like as the designer, you have to pick, um, are they trying to add something arbitrary or are they trying to, because they think it's cool or are they trying to make the game better in a way for everyone? I mean, honestly, it's the same feedback, right? Mm-hmm. That's where getting it from multiple people is useful, right? Yes. Like when you hear from multiple people that they need a little something else, you know. Um, but a lot of times I feel like somebody says, oh, I wish I could do this in the game. And other people are like, no, I don't <laughs> like that. So um, which is unhelpful because then you're like, OK, well, so do I add it? Do I? Not? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I think your point about 
you know, my job as a designer, your job as a designer, right? As the person running the playtest, sort of sussing out why they wanted why they wanted that thing, right? I can usually tell like when people are asking for something because it would have let them win that game, right? Versus right, right. They, versus they, you know, super think it's a critical part of um of the gameplay, right? Right. Uh, right. So well in I think too, you know, to that point, like you really do have to analyze why someone's asking for something, right? Um, you know, as we've been told a lot of times and talked about a lot of times on this show, playtesters feedback many times doesn't actually tell you what needs to happen in the game, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to address something they want or feel like is an issue. And then you have to figure out what's actually the problem that they are talking about, right? They're going to describe symptoms and you have to find the root cause. Yeah. Um, and that is, that's, that's a tough job. Obviously it's like the hardest thing about game design is figuring <laughs> out feedback to say, they said this, but that's not right. <laughs> what do yeah. I actually need to do to make this fixed? <laughs> yeah. And, and I think there is then the, you know, what is the problem that they're trying to solve and what is the solution that they're putting forward? And sometimes the solution that they're putting forward solves a different problem than they think it solves. Right. right but that's right. not their job. And that's, right. that's fine. <laughs> I can, right. I can do that part. That's the fun part. Right. Um, figuring it out, but it does. I, it does sometimes take hearing it a couple times to understand what the heck you're hearing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think another time when I would lean into adding something instead of taking something away, um, and sometimes this is just like adding a layer of ob- ob- obfuscation, like like to ob is obfuscation a word? Yeah, obfuscate is yeah. okay. Yeah, I know obfuscate is, but um is adding that layer to sh- to to make it harder for players to understand optimal choices. Because I think sometimes if a game is too simple and straightforward, optimal choices are so obvious that your players are either going to get it or they won't, and therefore they will either win or lose based on that, right? And that's not fun. Um, you know, a game of optimal choices when the optimal choices are obvious, it's just not fun. I mean, it's fun for the person winning, but only for a while, because after a while, they're just going to be like, well, this is so easy. Um, so I think that when you get players that are constantly taking the same path to victory, right. Mm -hmm. Um, and everyone takes this one path to victory that could mean, I mean, it could mean you need to cut different things that aren't being used, but truthfully, I think it's more likely to mean you need to add a path to ensure that there's more diversity, uh, in the gameplay and not just, you know, everybody does the same thing every time because that. Like I know people say replayability is not what it uh, is not as important as we say it is. But like when I play a game and I'm like, my wife and I played this game. I don't remember what it was. And my wife is like, you're going to beat me at this game every single time because Mm -hmm. like you see how to win and you're just going to keep doing that. And she's like, and that's not fun to me. And I'm like, it's not fun to me either. Like, (laughs) like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to win a game with my eyes closed because I get the strategy and the strategy is so obvious to me, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, that's, that's a problem, I think. So I think that's an instance where adding another layer, again, whether it's another system or just a layer to kind of hide your choices and make it harder to determine best, you know, optimal choice each turn, um, is worthwhile. I I like that interpretation. And I, I think it, um, it, it resonates with something I'm doing with pirates right now, actually, 
which is that um, Pirates was, Pirates got real big. Pirates had mm-hmm. a couple of different systems. And recently I, I cut entirely the baking system. I was like, we just need to like focus in streamline on pirates and afternoon tea. Um, and it, it's, it's helped a ton. Uh, and in so, do, so it at origins, it really felt like the core loop finally clicked in. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so we've got the core loop. I had always envisioned you'd be able to serve three plates, but it was taking too long. So I would only had it at two and we finally sort of locked in. You could play a 30 minute game and everyone could mm-hmm. serve three and, it, it was just really rolling. And to get there, I had I had just weeded out a ton of stuff that I would say wasn't harmonized, right? The baking mm-hmm. system was entirely separate from everything else, right? Yeah, yep. Um, and so so rather than forcing the baking system to harmonize, I, I tried that a couple times, then I was just like, gets the ax, right? Uh, <laughs> Kill it. <laughs> Kill it with so fire. So once again, you're talking about how you cut stuff. Yes, exactly. adding stuff. <laughs> But here we go. Here we go. Uh, at Origins, I got some great feedback about how now with this tight core loop, the gameplay is super in your hands, right? And there's this board out in front of you where you're selecting actions, but there's not enough going on at the board. Right. It's literally just how many cards will I take? And then you're back at like, do I have enough fruit dishes to serve the captain to pair with right. this tea? Right? right. So right now i am adding systems back in on that board so we've got a whole battle to hoist different flags that we're basically fighting over the end game conditions right Right. who's going to get end game scoring and so i'm i'm adding these additional paths to victory Mm -hmm. right which is that maybe you won't serve the highest scoring plates but you're going to serve so many french flags and you're going to spend so much time getting the french flag the highest on the flagpole right um or timing your dishes with the captain's you know mercurial desires there's a whole there's a couple different systems now that are i think are going to bring the players back to that board and back Mm -hmm. to interacting with each other instead of just being so in their own hands so i'm back adding phase yep um which is I was fun. I was one of those playtesters that did yeah. the game with that. Yeah. And it was like, you're right. The kind of the feedback was, hey, there are some choices here and they all feel obvious as to which one. If I want more cards, I'll take this one. If yep. I don't, I'll take that one. If I need this, I'll go there instead. But yep. it was yeah, it was there was never any AP at all. <laughs> it was right. like, do this. Oh, I can't. OK, I'll do that then. No big deal. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. That's great to hear. That's great to hear. Um, another suggestion I have for, for newer game designers, I, I always feel like, I think one of the reasons we harp so much on cutting is because especially with new game designers, I always make the joke that the first game you design will be the first three games you design because you're going to put so much into it that you're going to end up getting like three games out of it. Cause you're going to keep cutting stuff that you can use later. Right. And so I think that's why people harp on cutting so much, right. Is we want games to be sleek. And even if they're a big game, We want them to just have a nice flow and to work together. And we want them to be complex, but not complicated, right? Um, And so so with that, one of the pieces of advice I would give is that that has been told to me, and I still struggle with this sometimes, but is figure out the core loop for your game. And to do that, you figure out like, it's a deck builder. Okay, so you're going to get these cards. What do the cards do? doesn't matter you're going to get cards 
How are you going to choose cards? How does that feel? When that works, you say, great, this works. And then you say, what can I add to that? Okay, well, I'd like some cards that do these things. I wanted to do these things. Let's add that then, right? And you slowly, one at a time, add layers. And if you're super lucky, you'll hit the sweet spot and you'll be like, perfection. I don't need to add anymore and I don't need to cut. I just need to do maybe some harmonization in here. But worst case, you're going to keep adding until you get to a point where you're going to say, oh, no, that's bloated now too much. And you're going to cut some stuff. And you're going to be able to look at everything you've added and say, of all the things I've added, what do I want to cut? Because it may not be the last thing you added, right? It may be two or three things back. It may be one of the first things you added. It may get to a point where it gets big enough that you say the core loop is not what I thought it was. And now it needs to change. Those are things that are all okay. But that is certainly something that I've tried to do more of. With Haphazard Cadabra, that was step one with us. How does the dexterity thing feel with tossing these cards? Feels good. Great. Let's move to the next phase. Let's figure out how to make these tokens work. Oh, okay. The tokens work this way. All right. What are we going to do with that? And we've slowly been adding on so that we never have to feel like we have to trim, at least so far, because we try to keep the game so lean that, you know, you have to add stuff to make it to make it work um, in a different way. You can't just trim, you know. Mm -hmm. So that I think is I think that is way harder to do than I make it sound like when I say that. And I think I'm awful at it. Um, But that said, it does work unless you're just I mean, even if you're designing a big euro. Right. So if you're designing a big euro with five core systems, test each one of those systems separately in little mini games and see how they work and then slowly introduce them together piece by piece and see what happens. And then you're not wasting, you know, a three hour play test to find out that your game is trash and it's not going to work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting to me. So, so as you say that and you say, you know, you make it sound easy. I'm like, it's, Oh, it's not, it's so awful. Hard to me. It sounds really hard to me. Um, because I am definitely a, um, bring the kitchen sink. A person, person with a lack of self-control. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Me That's too. Known, known for my lack of self-control. Um, but yeah, bring the kitchen sink and then I can, if I can see it in action, I can figure out where to cut. Because I, I will say, I think I've said this before. I generally feel okay cutting things. I, I, you know, I, this baking system was the hardest thing for me to cut from uh, Pirates, but I was like, nope, it's really, it's really not it. So writing's on the wall. Um, but I, I just always think of things in, um, that diamond where you do your sort of divergent thinking and you get really big and then you do convergent thinking and you come back to the diamond point and then you Mm -hmm. like again. Um, and so I just, I have to, I have to add in order to be able to subtract because I think I, and maybe that's not true, but that's how I feel right now. Um, is that in order for me to see what's not working, I kind of have to get too big. And I, and I think that's kind of what you said too, right? Of just add, add, add until you're like, oh, but then it's not necessarily that last thing right. that you added. That's the the cut piece, which I think is really interesting. And that's the kicker, right? Is that last piece is not it necessarily, but it feels like it is, right? It all, mm-hmm. it automatically feels like it should be. Right. Um, and you know, and that's, like, yes, that what I've described is nearly impossible. I'm awful at it. I try really hard, but it's tough. The only reason Kelly and I were able to pull it off with Haphazard Cadabra is simply because we iterated that game over two days, right? Mm-hmm. Like the core loop of that game 
and probably a dozen playtests happened within 24 hours uh, of us starting working on the game. And so because of that, like there, we didn't have to be patient. You know what I mean? We just didn't. I, I think that self-control and that patience to not want to add things, especially when, and this, this is where I'll say it doesn't work. If you are the type of person that only gets to do play tests at conventions or big meetups and it's hard for you, don't yeah. take that advice because you'll never finish your game, right? You're going to have to do it. You're going to have to do it the Emily way. You're going to have to add a bunch of stuff and then you're <laughs> going to have to just figure out what works and what doesn't work because that's what you're going to have time for, right? Yeah. Um, and that's okay too, right? It really depends on your style and what you're best at and, and what's going to feel right to you when you're working on it. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think I'm lucky enough to have a, an in-house play tester that will just uh, play play all of these various iterations with me real that quick. That is very nice, yes. I used to have that. It's a little harder with, with the kids. Yes. Uh, though Josiah will be like, you know, he played Kested Hap Has a Cadaver with me and had some good thoughts and some nice. good ideas about things he would liked and didn't like. And, you know, it was really a test of like, is this simple enough for him to play it? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm. I, I'll just admit, I am. Uh, I have no idea how I would play test any of my games with children. I, I. So I, I'm like all my games. I'm like thirteen up. I'm sure a thirteen year old learned this. What can thirteen year olds do? I have no idea. What but, I've found is this really safe age. If you're talking about like if you have a hobby game, right? Mm-hmm. Unless it is really complex, eight plus is the sweet spot, and it's just because. And eight plus can play most games that we can play. Okay. Um, in fact, I feel like when you see 13 plus on games, a lot of times it's content related. It's not, yeah. it's not gameplay related. Okay. Um, Cause you'll see 13 plus like on some different stuff. And it, it's almost always because of content that, that they might find offensive. I was actually going to look at got no context right here. Ages 13 plus that game is my, I could teach a five-year-old to play that game, but mm-hmm. um the card where there's a fire hose being sprayed on someone and the person says, Oh daddy, um, that is not for the five-year-old, right? PG 13. Yeah. yeah. Card I found recently and was like, Oh, maybe I'll take that out before my kids play this card. <laughs> They'd be like, why are they spraying with a fire hose? I'm like, I don't know. Um, it's just a warm day outside. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. So I think that, um, that is, uh, that that's that's some advice we threw out there. We said some words. I don't I, yeah, I don't know, right? I still feel <laughs> I still feel strongly that there are times when thinking about harmony over thinking about getting out your scissors is a better way is a better place at least for me to start because I am I am striving for some games that are a little bit higher on the complexity scale, right? So I think I think if I just fell back on cutting. I would I would end up with games that I enjoyed, but that weren't what I was trying to build. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm right. trying to get to some of right. these 60 minute strategy games. Uh, and and I don't think I'm going to get there just by cutting. Right. I think I have to give myself permission to add. Yeah. I mean, unless you're going to start everyone with a 90 minute strategy game. Yeah. Um, and then try to wean it down to 60, which I mean, I'm sure that works for some people, but that's I. I don't think it's very often that a game designer has their best ideas before they even play test the game. Right. So like the idea that you sit down and say, I'm going to make an awesome 60 minute strategy game. I've put all this stuff into it. 
I've put 90 minutes worth of stuff and it's all the things that need to happen. And now I'm just going to trim. Right. Right. Um, it can happen, but that's very infrequent. Right. Like, I mean, the idea that any of us are good enough to know exactly how it's going to go and all of that stuff to where we just need to trim. Like you thought of all the best stuff to put in the game. <laughs> really? Did you though? Right. And that is the key with adding, I think, is that you have to adapt and kill your darlings. Yeah. But that's all about when you've put something in the game that you're attached to and it doesn't work in this game. Right. Take it out. Right. I think there's so very separate issues to think about. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, listener, uh, take that with as much salt as you need. Listen, listener, <laughs> we have at least listener. a half dozen listeners. So it's not like it's just Roscoe out there listening. <laughs> so, Hi, Roscoe. Roscoe, coming to an episode soon near you. Ooh. So, uh, yeah, at least presumably. I haven't recorded it yet, but that that's the word on the street. Oh, man, I'm excited. Um, yeah, no, this was a fun conversation and it's, you know, when you first said this, I was like, oh, this is, this isn't, this is easy. And then trying to explain my feelings about this, I was like, nope, this is much like deciding whether to add or cut. This conversation is stupid hard. Well, and maybe if I'd given you a little heads up on what we were talking uh, about, you could have, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought more about it. Cause I mean, when you, when you brought it up to me before we started recording, like moments before, um, I was like, oh yeah, I have heads cadaver. There's some great things I can pull from that. Like, I feel like I've learned some stuff, you know? Yeah. So it was, it happens, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have a game you want to talk about that you haven't talked about yet? Um, sure. I can talk a little bit about, uh, what's going on with cross stitch, which is still like a nice, yeah, which I better get to play that at Gen Con. Okay. Absolutely. That's my goal at Gen Con is to play that game. Okay. It's, it's still, it's still like barely a game. But um, we'll we'll go with it. So um, I'm in my I'm going to say I'm in my textiles phase. I've done knitting and now I'm doing cross stitch and I've got a I've got a plan for a whole like applique uh, game as well. That's next. Uh, so we're just going to get in some Mod Podge. I know. Yeah. Uh, decoupage is that game. I also have a plan for that and was talking to someone else about how we might uh, collaborate on it. Uh, so yeah, there's a whole craft. You're like Picasso, line. you're like I'm going through my you know different phases. This is my textile phase. Yeah. Next will phase. be my other phase. I don't know what that'll yeah. be. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I, I have my games are sort of I have my craft games, I have my food games, and then I have my like storytelling slash cat games. So that's mm-hmm. my those are my lines. Uh, we'll just say uh, it's gonna be great. Oh, by the uh, way. Um, uh, I just want to throw out there for Picasso. When I heard about Cubist, mm-hmm. I was like, what about this is Cuban? Like, I don't understand. Like what is <laughs> like growing up. I never understood that. Yeah. It was like Cubist. Like, like, well, I don't, what, what, I don't get it. And then, and then I went to college and learned, I went to a bad high school. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I, I have never really gotten Picasso in general. And then we were in Spain and Picasso did this big uh, mural I think it's called Guernica, um, but it's a town in Spain that was one of the first towns that was ever like bombed from the air. Mm-hmm. And he did this mural in his Picasso style and it's huge. And I suddenly was just like viscerally hit by it. And I was like, I've never been moved by Picasso. And suddenly I, I suddenly got it standing in front of this giant wall. And I was like, 
Oh. Oh, there it is. Picasso. Okay. I get it now. Tell your friends. Not so bad. This Picasso guy. He's cool. Did some good art. Um, Anyway, cross-stitch. Here we go. Uh, So cross-stitch is a tile placement game uh, based on the craft of cross-stitch, which if you don't know it, you make little X's. Um, And so I basically created a bunch of tiles where it's like half of the X. Um, And so you can have a little cutout in the middle so that you can put one face up and the other face down and make a little X um, and they fit together really nicely. So the, the piece itself was part of the inspiration and I'm just putting it on like a four by four grid. And the idea is that you're trying to make, um, like, you know, X's and diamonds, right. And you can score different points based Mm -hmm. on, did you make the big four by four diamond or did you just make the two by two diamond, um, and things like that. Um, but the idea is that the placement will sort of mimic sewing. And so, you get tiles in some sort of draft, which I'll talk about in a second, um, and you'll have multiple colors, but the the inspiration is you have to pick a thread, right? So you pick red and you have to play all of the red tiles that you have because it's oh, like a string and you have to do it clever. in an order, right? Like you're sewing. Um, and it's a little bit, I'm, I'm struggling with, it doesn't, it doesn't quite place in the way that you would sew because sewing has this into the fabric and then out somewhere else and then in and out. But that gets you this weird sort of headspace where you have to leave blank spaces on the board and it doesn't make any sense. So I'm, I'm just going to throw this out there. I've never played the game, but like, could you have to, if you say I have five red tiles, have to play one face up, one face down, one face up, one face down to, to show the going in and out. Of that? Maybe, right? What I was doing was, it was a terrible plan and I've gotten rid of it, but you, you place one diagonally and then your next one has to start one space orthogonally from it. So it'd be like you went into the fabric and did something on the back and then you came out somewhere else. So right mm-hmm. now we're placing them linearly like it's in a like it's in a train game or something like that. Right. You can um, even have to play one, discard one, play one, discard one. Yes. And that's yeah, how that you would feel to, like, like that. Turn yeah. the corner, right? Or if you get stuck somewhere and you have to like uh-huh. go underneath, you have to discard until you get to an open spot to pop. Nice. Up. Yeah, that's great. Um, but so the the rule we're playing right now is you have to play all of the bottom stitches. So all the face up tiles before you can start crossing. Right. Um, so you're okay. going to play all of your all of your bottom half of the X before you start before you start crossing. And so there's mm-hmm. a how do you discard when you get stuck and things like that. And then we there's a, a concept now that got introduced at Origins because I brought two sets of tiles because I was like, I love these tiles, but I can't make it work. So I just made little squares with X's mm-hmm. on them. We've decided that they're knots. And so every time you have to oh, change yeah. color, right, you have to put a knot because you have to knot your thread. Yeah. And so you put a knot and there's going to be some sort of scoring based on how many of that color are touching that knot, right? Um, nice. So, so the placement part is coming together. And I think that with a little bit of zhuzhing before Origins or before Gen Con, my gosh. Um, you got a long time for Origins. Don't yeah. Worry. All, I just going to say all these conventions, for whatever reason, their names feel too similar between Unpub, Origins, Gen Con, and Unplugged. I'm, I'm done, right? I, <laughs> I'm just going to be like, I'm going to August con. Um, <laughs> it's the Indianapolis one in con. Yes. Columbus oh. con. 
so so the placement part i think is coming together and is interesting um i did have uh someone give me a really interesting nugget about tile placement games which is that to be really compelling you need an interesting way to place the tiles but you also need an interesting way to get the tiles yep um agreed and so uh, which, you know, when they say that, I was like, oh, of course, right? But it was just nicely right. articulated. Uh, I think the quintessential for that to me is patchwork, right? Yeah. Like it combines an interesting way to get the tiles and an interesting way to place them and an interesting way to choose when you get to do either of those things. Yeah. So, yeah. You may have to go brush up on patchwork. Um, oh, it's it's but... so good. It's just so good. <laughs> so So right now, the metaphor that I think I want to leverage is untangling the threads so that there's some sort of pile scenario and you're mm -hmm. doing something where you're picking based on which ones you've managed to untangle and 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 i don't know what that is i've i've had thoughts that it's like you know like little hex puzzles where you, you connect you know a string to a string of the same color you get the full length mm -hmm. of the string but yep. i'm not sure i want to add a entirely other component to to do that um Thing. So I think I'm I think I'm gonna try some sort of drafting mechanism that feels like untangling, mm -hmm. and that's all I've got on that so far. <laughs> that's still that's that's a start, right? Yeah. I guess you'll have to add some stuff to make it work. I know I'll have to add some. I did come up with a little like storage thing that I want to 3D print of like lets you put six tiles in it that looks like a spool, <laughs> and then I was like. I don't know if you need to add components that are just storage components, but it was. Are you kidding? That's like the hotness on Kickstarter. <laughs> like, oh, storage components. Have you seen how good that box looks with all the storage in it? It's great. So, yeah, no. Yeah. People get uh, real excited about storage, including myself. Yeah. I, I yeah. mean, I print my own storage on my 3D printer. So, right. I, I and I, I love bins whenever we're like doing stuff around the house. And Eric's like, I need to do something with this. I'm like, do you need me to go to Target and get you a bin? Because I would happily get you a bin and I'll get myself a couple more bins while I'm there because I'm sure I could use another bin. So that's funny. Yeah, that's cross stitch. That's where awesome. cross stitch is headed. Awesome. I can't wait to see that one in person. Oh, thank you. Uh, well, listeners, I uh, hope you enjoyed our convo here about adding, taking away, and cross stitching. And um, <laughs> yeah, so if you want to get in touch with us, you can, of course, go to buildinggamepodcast.com, find a link there to our Discord. You can email us at buildinggamepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on the Twitter at podcastbtg at J.A. Slingerland and Emily is at Tiandris. And, of course, the most important thing you can do is you can keep coming back every single week. But until next time, good night. Night. Building the game, building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Building the game, building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. The end of the episode, that's when it technically ends.